Good morning, church. It's good to be together in worship today. What a service we've already had. I really appreciate Reverend John Calhoun being with us, worshiping, sharing with us what God's doing. We got to see Reverend Sarah hold up a sign for the children's moment. I'm Jeff Rogers, one of the pastors here at Northside, better known as Emily Rogers' husband. Uh, she was the one that sang Potter's Hand. Uh, and since I have the mic, I get to say how proud I am of her. Did a great job. Yeah, you can applaud. This morning, we are continuing with the I Believe series here at Northside, where we are exploring the Apostles' Creed, which we will recite at the end of the service. Today, we're looking at the phrase, I believe in the communion of saints. Now, the word creed just simply comes from the Latin word credo, meaning I believe. A creed is a concise statement of our beliefs. And so we see these creedal statements all throughout Scripture. We see them in the Old Testament. We see them in the New Testament. And we recite the Apostles' Creed, which was finalized in, by the church in the 7th century. And so it's part of of our liturgy. It's part of our worship as God's people, and we do it both in the traditional service and here in the contemporary service at Northside. This creed is made up of many statements, and it begins with a statement saying, I believe in the Trinity. It says, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And beyond that, it has various tenets of the faith that we profess our belief in. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And today, I believe in the communion of saints. These tenets don't come directly from the Bible, but are soaked in scriptures. They are the essentials of our faith. They're the things that we all agree on. And while the phrase communion of the saints doesn't show up exactly in that way in the scripture, perhaps the clearest version of it does come from Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses. So let me read now from God's word, Hebrews 12, one through three. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and run, uh, and run everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Would you pray with me? God, would you speak to us, shape us into your people that we would be holier because of this time of worship. Amen. I want to start with the word and communion of saints that probably throws us off the most. Saint. Right? We hear the word saint oftentimes in our society, and I'm not just talking about a rival football team. We hear saint probably most often by the Catholic use of the word. That saint is a person, it's been a certain amount of time since they passed away, there was a committee on investigation, they verified these miracles, they went through the process of canonization to make that person a saint. It's a very specific process in the Catholic Church. But you don't have to worry about that because that's not the way we use saint here at Northside. 
here at Northside, when we talk about saint, we are using the version that the Bible uses. The Apostle Paul used the word saint simply when he was talking about Christians. Which means, if you're here this morning and you consider yourself a Christian, then you are a saint. And you are a saint, and you are a saint, and I guess I'm a saint too. We're talking about the communion of saints here this morning. And the word for saint is actually from the same Greek word used for holy. Now, holy isn't some mystical, unknown, undefined thing. The word holy simply means that we are set apart for Christ. And probably not something that happened all of a sudden. This process of holiness is normally a gradual process where we slowly look more and more like Christ, that we set apart more and more of our life, think of ourselves less and less, and love others more and more. Holiness is a journey, maybe even a race. And we look at this journey in all kinds of different ways. One of my favorite ways to look at it is through membership vows. And because membership vows, what I love about them is they are a commitment that we are making as individuals, as saints, to the broader community and church, the corporate communion, the communion of saints. When somebody joins the United Methodist Church, we know a few things about their journey that they've run. It means that they've been baptized. It means that they've made a public profession of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and now they're making a profession that they will uphold the church with their prayers and their presence, with their gifts, with their service, and with their witness. And you don't have to be a member of the Methodist Church to participate in the ministries here at Northside, but the reason I like it is because it is an outward sign of something that God is doing in our life. It is us stating that we are trying to grow in this process of holiness. We're telling the world, or at least the congregation, that we are working on this thing called sanctification, which is simply a theological word for growing in holiness. And we're all on different paths as members of the church, as part of the communion of saints, different paths of holiness, but we come together each week to worship. It's an essential to our faith. It's one of the ways that we praise God for what's going on in our own life, and we see the ways that God is at work in the world around us. And so here today at Northside, we give thanks and we praise God for the work that John Calhoun is doing out in Austria, for the work that's taking place in Ukraine. I love when we have guest speakers here to share ministry moments, to share about ways that God is at work in various mission partners and various ministries. There is a lot going on that we can praise God for, both in our life and in the church around us. I give thanks when we get to baptize babies here. I give thanks when students go and serve in mission. That's why we praise God for those things here in worship. My favorite verse in the Bible about growing in holiness comes from 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says that we reflect God's glory to one another. 
and that we are transformed into God's image, growing ever in holiness. So this communion of saints exists here and now among us. But the communion of saints is bigger than that. It expands into the past and into the future. It is in the here and now and in the yet to come. So we turn to our scripture passage, Hebrew 12, to understand the communion of saints, or as that passage calls it, the great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 12 begins with the word, therefore. And the old preacher adage is to say, if you're ever reading the Bible and you see the word, therefore, you should always ask what it's there for. So you have to go back to Hebrews 11 to really understand Hebrews 12. And Hebrews 11 is a chapter all about faith. It begins with a verse saying, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we have not seen. And the rest of Hebrews 11 tells story after story of a person that by faith followed the call that God placed on their life. By faith, Abraham followed God. By faith, Moses followed God. And by faith, we are called to run this race. Therefore, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. In this example, these people would have been the encouragement for the early church, and it is the encouragement of us today as the communion of saints, called to run the race. Run the race. A race, as we already heard in the children's image, is a helpful illustration. We can easily understand what it means to run the race. I saw about three of y'all who said you'd run the peach tree this past week or were even there. Good for you. It is, that was not me. I was not at the race. But we know that we all want to finish the race and be with Christ. Uh, but sometimes I think there are images about running uh, or about races that can distract us or confuse us in our contemporary setting, right? A lot of times races, running the race here uh, in our society might mean that it's a race of progress. We are supposed to be faster. We're supposed to be better. We're supposed to be bigger. We're supposed to be shinier, cooler, newer, whatever it is. It's all about making progress. That if we don't, then we've failed. So maybe we need to take a shortcut. Maybe we need to win at all costs. But the race of Christ is not one of simply growing in progress and being better than the rest. The race that Christ calls us to is one of process. The process of becoming more like Jesus. So we get confused thinking that maybe a race is all about winning, we also get confused thinking sometimes that races are doomed from the start, that we have no chance of winning. You might take a job and think from the very first day, this isn't going to work out. Maybe you start a new class and feel behind in the first lesson. Maybe you read the news and feel like it's a hopeless race from every side. And it can feel like there's no way to win a race sometimes, and you might want to just stop trying. What's the point in doing the hard thing, the right thing, if there's really no chance of winning? 
there are different images that we have of races that can confuse us, but our race, the race that Christ sets before us, is never a hopeless one. It is one where we have a sure and steady hope in the person of Jesus Christ. And we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses Not only those in scripture, as we read in Hebrew 11, who have gone before us and set the example there, but also in our own life. When I was uh, younger, I heard a a sermon on this passage, Hebrews 12, and the preacher told us to imagine holding hands with the person that led us to Christ. And that person would be holding your hand and hands with the one that led them to Christ, forming a chain all the way back to Jesus. And that was helpful for me. It was good. I liked that illustration. But as I've grown over the years, I found that that's not exactly how Jesus has shown up in my life. It's more than one or even two people who have shown me Jesus. In my life, what I've experienced is kneeling at the altar rail, and being surrounded by people I love that have poured into me who have laid hands on me. It's happened at my ordination and my confirmation. I've seen it here at Northside in confirmation services, in prayer services, in Bible studies, and it's an impactful thing. It is a visible reminder of the cloud of witnesses or the communion of saints that surrounds us. So I encourage you, imagine kneeling at an altar before Christ, surrounded by those who have poured into your life. Imagine their hands on your shoulders. Is it a grandparent? Is it a parent? A minister, a church member, a friend? Can you feel the great cloud of witnesses laying their hands on you? It expands throughout space, expanding beyond you through time as well, those who have already gone before us. Maybe, maybe you haven't had a moment where you've ever actually knelt down an altar and had somebody lay hands on you. But even in that case, I believe there have been people who have prayed for you. That we are all surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. That even now we are being prayed for by others, by the saints who have gone before us. One of the places that I love here at Northside the most is the Memorial Garden. It's out to the side of the sanctuary by playground. It's a space where some of those who have gone before us in glory have been laid to rest. There are plaques memorializing various saints. There's a fountain that reminds us of the wellspring of life with Christ, but it's a space that has been set apart, that has been made holy. And I think there's something special that happens when we set apart space to remember the saints, where we can go and we can pray and we can grow and pray for the saints as well, not to them, before them to remember that we love them, that we are with them and they are with us. And at the head of this communion of saints is Christ, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. 
And we don't have to fear the future because we know the one who holds the future. So as we imagine being surrounded, kneeling before God, imagine those hands on your shoulders helping you bear the burdens of life. It's not a weight, but it's lifting you up. And at the head is Christ. We are surrounded by the community saints, and we are the communion of saints, both now and forever. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are with us on this journey, that you have sent your own disciples, your children before us on this journey. God, we want to look more like you. We want our heart to reflect your heart. We want to become the people you have called us to be. So take us in this moment and allow the burdens of life to be lifted. The other communion of saints, the other saints in our life, helping us bear these burdens. God, may we love more because you loved us first. Amen. Mm-hmm.